0: Welcome to the Motherhood Reimagined Podcast, where we celebrate all paths to motherhood. I'm your host, Sarah Kowalski. Whether you're contemplating becoming a single mother, trying to be one, or already raising kids, this is the place for inspirational stories, expert advice, and informative guides celebrating those who didn't follow the rules as they share the heartache and joys of their paths. Be informed, be inspired, because you do not need to feel alone. Hello and welcome. Today I'm joined with my guest Elena. Hi Elena, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, thanks for joining me. So, to start off, I wanted to ask as a child, how did you expect that your life was going to turn out or what was the vision you had for yourself as a kid? <laughs> That's a really good question to start.
1: <laughs> I think I always had in mind that I would be a mom and I was always very interested also in school, so I think I always pictured myself like maybe a a bit of an older mom or like a working mom, but always the mom thing was always present, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. And how did your path to motherhood actually turn out? (laughs) So I'm a
1: mom to a three-year-old girl who's amazing and wonderful and perfect, but it was a a complicated process. I was really, I was very career-driven and I found myself single- In my mid thirties, so by then I started worrying about, you know, is it late? Should I be worried? And my doctors kept saying, you know, you have some time, you have some time. But when I hit 38, they were like, yeah, you should maybe freeze your eggs, which I did. I froze my eggs and gave me a little bit of more time to, you know, maybe. You know, meet someone, but then when I hit forty, it was pretty obvious that that I should be doing something about it if I really wanted to be sure that uh, I was a mom, so I started going through fertility treatments when I was forty went through six rounds of treatment, and the last one by then I was forty two I did i v f and got pregnant with my daughter so it 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 took a while I mean, from the moment I froze my eggs when i was thirty eight it took it took four years and, and, and a lot of, <laughs> mm. I would say, it's, you know, it's, a, it's not an easy process to go through. But gladly, it, it ended up being amazing mm. because I have my daughter.
0: So when you say you did six rounds of treatment, was that six new rounds of IVF to get more eggs? Or what was that?
1: So I only did one. Process to retrieve the eggs. They were able to retrieve, I think it was nine, okay, and freeze them, and and they were kept frozen for four years because the first five treatments that I went through were using my eggs. At the moment, you know, okay. I, I went through five rounds of what what the doctor called insemination, which is they they inserted the sperm from the autonom, anonymous donor. So they would have me ovulate and then. Try to get me pregnant, not naturally, but with my eggs at the moment.
0: I think we call that IUI, just to clarify for people. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And then
1: by then, by the fifth one, it was pretty obvious that although I was still ovulating, the eggs were not working or, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and because I had frozen my eggs, they were like, okay, let's go straight to these eggs that were at that time younger (laughs) because three years had elapsed, three or four years. Mm Mm-hmm. So my eggs were 38. I was 42. So we we decided to go do IVF. And that's when I used the eggs that I had frozen.
0: Okay. So you got pregnant on the first round of an embryo transfer from the eggs you had frozen. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Good to know. Um, and did they do like PGS or PGD testing on any of the embryos or anything or the eggs? what is that it's they they biopsy a tiny bit of the embryo and analyze whether or not it's genetically normal
1: so I did this in Latin America, and the okay. technology was i think was at the time less advanced than okay. here in the u s so I understand that at least. The, the testing was much simpler, okay. I think. I know that with friends that have done that here in the U.S., they, they know the gender of the baby, you know, the sex mm-hmm. of the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know any of that. All I knew was that these were the eggs that, I mean, these were the embryos that looked, you know, that were the ones that were able to sort of survive the entire process because once they, you know, the not all the eggs survived and not all the embryos reproduced and all that. So at the end, the
0: only three that were, really viable, they were inserted. So that's what I understood from the process. Cool. Okay. That makes sense. And what would you say you needed to let go of in order to embrace moving forward alone? Well, at least for me, it was a long, long process because I think
1: looking back, I think I went through a sort of mourning period, I would call it, where it takes some time to accept that maybe things will be different from what you've planned, because you have those images and those ideas for such a long time, and you think that's the the normal track. I don't like to use the word normal, but like, you know, you, you have that fixed idea, this is the way things will happen, and you know, I, I'll have a partner and we'll have a baby. So I think for me at least, it it took some work on myself to accept the idea that things could be different. And like letting go of expectations, I think. Mm. And then the wonderful thing is that once the baby's there, sort of all of that goes away, because you at least for me, I don't want any other baby. I wouldn't have it any other way just because I want her. But getting there, <laughs> you certainly you know, I, I would say that it's it's at least for me it was a it was a challenging process and 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 definitely a mourning process of like mourning. Letting go of the thought you had for many years of what a family would be in your case. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Yeah, it was hard work. Yeah. Any particular strategies or ways that you move through that morning and that letting go process?
1: So in my case, I saw a therapist for a long time, both in trying to get pregnant and during the pregnancy, because I think both things had their own challenges derived from being on your own. Mm -hmm. And I think it helped a lot. I think it would have helped too, which I didn't have, but now that I think about it, that, that would have been ideal. If people have other examples around them of single mothers who've, you know, done the same thing. I think having those sort of references of other successful families with single parents would have been helpful. But in my case it it took time it took time to finally decide and feel comfortable and and I don't wanna i don't you know I don't wanna make it sound like oh" and then it was perfect i I think it it only became perfect when my daughter was there until that moment. you're still struggling to, of like to understand and accept how things might be. Uh, that is long gone for me. Really, since the moment I became a mom, but mm-hmm. the process was uh, is, is is certainly painful.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can relate to that. Would you mind talking a little bit about how you chose your sperm donor and your sperm bank, and how that process was for you? Yes, yes.
1: So, my, I think I followed two pieces of advice, which I now can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> if I read them somewhere or something like this, it was so much information that it's really overwhelming. Mm. So I used a sperm bank that had anonymous donors. I remember that I only focused on two specific sort of criteria because if there's so much that you can complicate this decision with that I thought, you know, if, if I make this too complicated, I'll, I'll never choose the donor. So I focused on, and this was advice that I had read with regards to adoptive parents where psychologists would recommend that people choose a donor that generally looks a bit like yourself, so that if the child ends up looking like the donor, they'll they could still look similar to you. Not because you want your your you know your daughter or son to look exactly like you, but also because it it might help the child feel sort of belonging to that family that you've created with him. So I I, I remember. Trying to choose someone with similar sort of general, you know, the color of their skin and the color of their eyes or the color of their hair. Obviously, general traits because you, you know, it, the donor was anonymous. You, I never saw pictures, but that was one thing I was focused on. And again, this is not. You know, because you don't want a child that doesn't look like you, but because you want to sort of increase the chances of them at least looking a little bit <laughs> like you and your family. Mm-hmm. And the other piece of advice that I got was that because you could see the medical history of the donor that you might want to check the any illnesses in, in the donor's family don't coincide with the illnesses that run in your own family. Mm-hmm. So for example, if, you know, uh, your mother had breast cancer that you might try to avoid getting someone whose mother had breast cancer. So I remember checking, checking the the medical history. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that, I, I ended up with like five, maybe five candidates. And then I went through in my sperm bank, you could read a letter they wrote and sort of understand their motivations and take a look at like their background. And at the end, I ended up with two, and then I chose one. And I chose the same one for the entire six rounds that I went through just because it's
0: a, the decision is so hard that you don't want
1: to <laughs> do it several times. That's, that's how my process went.
0: Okay, great. And then I, one thing I love to ask people is, How they feel about the decision before, like while you were going through it. I know it's a long time ago, but to pick the sperm donor and how you're sort of felt emotionally about it and how you feel about it in hindsight now that you have your daughter. Wow, I don't
1: know how to answer that question. I think, I mean, when I think of myself at that time, it just, I just remember being very worried and stressed and overwhelmed. And because really, how can you choose? I mean, I don't think there's anything harder than choosing, you know, a hypothetical perfect donor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I just remember, like, just finding it really, really, really hard and just being anxious and nervous. At this point, I just feel grateful. I feel very grateful and sort of there's a, there's a sense of calm and sort of enjoyment and joy that comes from having my daughter where I'm not I don't really think about that almost ever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, being a single mom takes all of your day and all of the energy and all, (laughs) really, I mean, you know it. Mm -hmm. So I I
0: don't really think about that a lot. I don't know. I think I was lucky (laughs) because
1: she's perfect. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think in my experience, the reason I ask is because I think it felt like the hardest decision I had ever made in my entire life and the most significant, and yeah, the amount of stress around it. And it it prevented me from moving forward as a single mom for a long time, because I just could not wrap my brain around the process. And then, you know, in hindsight, I feel like the thing I hear over and over and over again is, I got the perfect kid. And I think that all the worry and concern about sperm donors kind of fades into the background. So I just like to capture that in all the different ways. It shows up for women because it's such a stressful time when you're in it. And then it's sort of remarkable how it shifts afterwards.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true. All that goes away once the baby's there.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And have you, your daughter's only three, have you been talking to her about her having a donor and? How have you approached that
1: so my idea, which I've been really thinking about and working on and working hard on, is to be as open and honest and forthcoming as possible. Mm-hmm. you know I think the healthiest thing for her is just to to know who she is, where she comes from, and for there not to be any mystery or like weirdness about it. So I haven't spoken about donor, but we do speak about in this family, we have cousins and we have grandparents and we have mommy and we have you. And in this family, we don't have a daddy. Some families are, you know, bigger or smaller. You have a very big family because you have all these cousins and aunts and people who love you, but there's not a daddy at this house. So, I'm trying just to, if she mentions something or asks something, I try to answer the specific question adapted to her age and just specifically targeting the question and not going into explanations that she might not understand at this point. So, she hasn't asked things like, Where is my daddy or something? She just asks about someone else's, or I don't know, the question is still a bit vague. Mm -hmm. And we haven't gone through, you need a donor. We haven't touched on that, but I know that it's coming and I'm (laughs) trying to prepare for that. Mm -hmm. But I do, I mean, she already, it's very noticeable that by three, she she already knows that there is no dad in the picture. I never wanted her to have the expectation of, oh, maybe there is a dad and he's, I don't know, he's away or he's traveling or something. Like I've heard other families do things like that. Hmm. or he died or he, you know, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be honest. And I, I think I've conveyed the idea already that there is no dad and there, there is no dad, but, um, I know that more, more specific questions
0: will come mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as
1: she gets older.
0: Right. Great. And would you say you have any regrets about how you became a mother and how the process turned out? I would
1: never use the word regret. What I do th- Think is that, I mean, at this point, in, and when you become a mother and start interacting with other mothers, you realize that nothing is perfect for any family and, and everyone has their own challenges. I would say that single mothers have, have a real challenge because, you know, there's a lot of responsibility and work that it's hard to share. But I, I would never use the word regret just because at this point, it's hard to think of doing things any other way just because she she is who she is because of how I went through the process so mm-hmm. I feel like it's perfect in that sense but I wouldn't sure code how hard it is uh, to get here and and how some days can be really really hard just because it's 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 a very exhausting to be a single parent <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I sometimes I wish I were a bit younger let's just say, just because mm. of how tired it feels mm-hmm. and how I think I might have had more energy if I were younger. But at the same time, I when I think of myself making the decision, I know that it took a while to make the decision just because it's such a hard choice to make. So how can you do it when you're younger if you're still sort of, you know, holding on to the thought of having a partner? So it's not easy finding that balance between Still being young and healthy and fertile. Uh Yeah, I don't know if that was (laughs) clear. So yeah, I I hoped I were younger (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that I had more energy. Yeah, but 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 no, this is perfect.
0: Yeah. And what's the most surprising thing about how things turned out? Would you say
1: I'm surprised about how normal we are as a family? I would say how all those worries and just traumatic thoughts you have <laughs> and just, you know, panicking of thinking that your family will be different or that the experience will be too hard. It really, in my case, it didn't turn out to be true. We, I would say we're, you know, <laughs> no different than, than any other family in in most important ways. So I'm surprised at how smooth I would say, our becoming a family has been,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: how happy she is, how comfortable she feels. So yeah, it's certainly when the baby's there, most of your fears, I think go away of, of just, yeah, I think your fears of what is this? This is too weird. This is too strange. I won't be able to do this. I think those go away, and that has been sort of the nicer thing. Mm -hmm. And also I'm surprised of how much the love for your child pushes you beyond (laughs) exhaustion Mm -hmm. to be able to be there and do everything and manage. Mm -hmm. Because if someone would have told me that i I don't know, basic things that you don't think about until you become a parent, like never again will you be able to sleep in or not, you know, get
0: out of bed mm-hmm. early
1: in the morning. Ever. Ever mm-hmm. again. <laughs> uh, I, I would, uh, Wait till well, they're
0: teenagers. I think there's hope. Oh, then they sleep really late, I've heard.
1: I don't, <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> oh God. Uh-huh. I don't,
1: so, I don't know, I just, I'm surprised about the strength that you pull from within mm-hmm. to, to to manage, because it's tiring. Mm-hmm.
0: But it's only good things. Yeah, yeah. Do you think your path to motherhood has in any way changed or altered the relationship you have with your daughter?
1: Well, I think, I don't know if this is
0: just specific to being
1: a single mom, but I definitely feel like the fact that she was so, that I fought so much to have her, that she was so wanted and so, you know, that it didn't come easy. I think it, it, it sort of colors you as a mom that, you know, it's not the same thing as to like getting pregnant really young or easily. So Mm -hmm. I think that when you, you know, I I think that affects the, the type of relationship you have in a good way, in a positive way, just because they somehow they know that they were so, <laughs> much wanted, mm-hmm. and also I, I'm when you get pregnant older and it's hard. It's easier to understand the privilege and blessing and miracle and just miracle that it is to have a child. So I think it's easier to feel happy and appreciative, and because you know how hard it is, and and you meet a lot of people who don't get pregnant and struggle. So I think you become humbler and more appreciative of of, of that joy of becoming a mom, just mm-hmm. because it it was so hard. And 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 I think this is true for anyone who goes through fertility, like you see other stories, you you meet the other moms there, struggling, the other couples, and people go through horrible <laughs> situations to become parents. So it's easier to be appreciative.
0: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. What advice would you give someone if they were struggling to be a mom or, you know, faced with that choice, whether they should move forward alone? What would you – and, you know, they're kind of looking at what they had always dreamed and planned and trying to make a decision –
1: I think I I have two thoughts. The first is to talk to someone you have a good relationship with, who you can confide in just because it's easier to think out loud with someone else and get, you know, I I wouldn't do it on my own is what I'm trying to say. Like you, you want to hear other people and in the end it's you who makes the decision, but I would share with someone who you trust just because it's really, it's a, it's a hard thing to go through. And the other one, I think the piece of advice that I got that helped me make the decision and feel comfortable with the decision, someone told me, and this is true only for women, women have their entire lives to do everything, you know, have a great job, have a great boyfriend, get married, get divorced, for everything except for having kids. For having kids, there's a time limit. Mm. That's the only thing, you know, in a woman's life that it's not, you cannot do, you know, for your entire life. There's just a limit. So whatever other thing you wanted to get or be or do, whether it was, you know, finding a good partner or or getting a promotion or making more money or doing this or traveling, whatever, there'll be time after (laughs) afterwards, whereas this has an expiration date. So the thought of me losing that window made me Decide to just do it, and then yeah, and that that helped. That really helped. So those are the only things I could say. I I mean, what I what I would think is, and I don't know if this applies for everyone, but it certainly is not a decision to be made in an impulse. (laughs) I I think it it takes time to get you know comfortable
0: with the idea and go through it and make sure you have a support system because there'll be you you'll need help. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I've never heard that distinction before. I really love that of like everything you have the rest of your life to do all of it except the having kids. I think that's, that that's is true. really <laughs> powerful because it's very true. Yeah. yeah. In what ways has being a mother been different than what you expected or like how I like to call it is like a reimagining in and of itself?
1: Yeah. I certainly have gone through what everyone you think is a cliche, but then you experience it yourself of like just experiencing love in another degree that is that is unlike anything else, and that I don't think it's it's possible to even think understand unless you're going through it. So in that sense, I think I'm I'm exactly the same way other moms are, of just being surprised with my own capacity <laughs> mm-hmm. to love in such a you know profound way. And then I, I, I think that what has surprised me also is that contrary to all my fears and worries and anxieties in deciding to get pregnant on my own and have a child, I'm a very calm mom. That there's a, I think part of the joy, it also brings like tranquility of like easiness, not that it's easy to be a single mom, but there's there's this feeling of peace. I think with having your baby there and seeing that it was possible, and that I mean there there's definitely bad days, but you're somehow you know <laughs> moving forward and making a home for for your baby and you. So I'm. It has surprised me to see how. Comfortable,
0: I feel. That's, that's what I would say in, in being her mom. Mm-hmm. That's really lovely. What do you love most about being a mother? I would say,
1: I mean, I, I would definitely say that a, a baby or brings happiness unlike any other thing in life. I had never experienced the joy that you feel repeatedly <laughs> from really small things in life with a baby around or with a small child around. So there's just a feeling of, of, yeah, it's, it's hard to have a, if you're sad, they make you laugh or it's just, it, there's like a positive, hopeful, <laughs> joyful, I think, experience of, of being a parent. And then I, I'm just grateful that I'm, that I got the chance, let's just say, to experience it. So now when I think of myself before her, I feel like my life was incomplete. I think it things fell into place once i became a mom and that doesn't mean that i'm 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 still a you know i'm still a professional i'm still working i still have my own you know things but i feel like that part of who i am was finally sort of settled and complete when i became a mom that that she was missing in my life is what i feel i wanted so much to get the chance to have a child and experience motherhood and and you feel I think you're surprised by your own capacity to to give love and attention and care. So I, I don't mean to say that women that don't have children are incomplete. I mean to say that in my case, she I missed not having her before and now that she's here, I I feel that she's an essential part of my life and that I don't want to have it any other way but with her.
0: Hmm. I can relate what do you like least about being a mother
1: I, I would say the 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 degree of exhaustion which has surprised me i don't know if it's also because i'm an, probably I'm a, a, because i'm an older mother, so she's three and i'm 46 so that part i'm you know how tired you feel and, and sort of the the little spaces of like, of like identity that you lose. Of, of like alone time and (laughs) quiet time. And I miss that. I miss that because that's all gone. (laughs) Mm -hmm. At least when they're really young, it's literally all gone. And for someone who's, you know, if, if you haven't had kids for that long, you really feel used to like having your own time and space and that all goes away.
0: Mhm mhm yeah for sure definitely and what advice would you give other moms anything else you would want to add in general yeah or women who are i guess on the path or thinking about it or even currently mothering i
1: would say this is a great piece of advice but like impossible very hard to enforce which is not trying not to compare yourself as a mom to any other moms or your children to any other children or your family to any other family. Mm. Like making your own decisions and not feeling that there's a norm because there really is not. (laughs) So I've been, now that my daughter is in, in daycare and I see other families and other kids, in a way, we're all the same. And in a way, every child is different. So trying to fit into boxes or trying to do things the same way everyone does it. I think it creates a horrible pressure on moms, especially on moms. So I, I give this advice to to myself also all the time, like just not create expectations from others, but try to make the best of
0: the way we're building our own family. Hmm. That is amazing advice, I would say. <laughs>
1: It's so hard to follow.
0: Yeah, it is. It is, definitely. Would you like to speak a little bit about what your support network is and how you found support that you needed? So...
1: I think that's one of the, also of the things that were different once the baby arrived, like when I was getting pregnant and during the pregnancy, I was very much doing stuff on my own, not relying on anyone else and, you know, making decisions and, you know, going to appointments and all that on my own. And I thought that that's how I would mother. And then reality hit me (laughs) like a truck. And you realize that you really, really, really need a lot of help to raise to raise a child. So I moved, literally, physically moved to a city where I have family. I've tried to meet other parents, single moms. Just it's become clearer every day that you really need a, a strong network. Whereas before, I felt like, oh, I'll just do this on my own. Now it's you know it's unthinkable that this could ever be done on your own. <laughs> so i I rely on my family, and I moved to a city where I had more family and friends mm-hmm. and that has made all the difference mm-hmm. and It's a small thing like things you wouldn't even think of like if the baby gets sick and the doctor sends the medicine to the pharmacy, are you going to take the baby in the car to go to the pharmacy to get the medicine if the baby's sick and she shouldn't go out so Just small things that you would never think of until you're in the situation. So that's when you need someone you can call and say, can you pick this up from the pharmacy? Mm -hmm. Or when you get sick, which also happens, who takes care of the baby? Just small things that you, especially if you're like a professional woman, you're like, oh, I'll do things on my own. And that all comes falling down. -hmm. Tumbling down once reality hits you of like, no, you need help. (laughs) <laughs> so, I think there's also a humbling experience in being a single mom of like, yeah, ask for help, accept help, look for help, <laughs> mm-hmm. cry for help, <laughs> accept <laughs> any offer of help. Mm-hmm. And then there's always kind, nice people around.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's very true. I'm having flashbacks to like my kid sick in the back of the car, trying to get to like the drive-thru pharmacy and they're trying to tell me it's closed and I have to come back and I'm going to have to go in to get it. And so I hear you. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> yes. Anything else you'd like to add before we close? I mean, I, I
1: think that motherhood reimagined
0: and these types of
1: initiatives are so wonderful just because it's nice to get in touch with other people who are going through the same thing or going through similar families. And I think definitely for my own process, it would have helped a lot if I knew other mothers or I had access to resources like this. So I think it's a it's a wonderful resource and I'm glad to take a, part, a small part in it mm. if that helps any person out there who's
0: like, oh, maybe I could
1: do this on my own. Is it possible? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it is. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's exactly why I've started the podcast, because I think hearing the voices of other women who are doing it and hearing all the different ways they make it work and really celebrating all of it is so important because it is hard to find people. And I made the choice largely in isolation without knowing other single moms. I think it took for me sort of meeting like one single mom. And then I was like, oh, she has a life and she can do this. Or I don't know. It was like just this bulb went off. So I really hope that this project does help other women. So I really appreciate your time today.
1: It was my pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Good luck. Thanks. Bye.
0: Bye. If you liked today's episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher to subscribe and leave a review. I so appreciate your support to spread the word about this project. If you'd like to hear more about my journey, please read my memoir, Motherhood Reimagined, When Becoming a Mother Doesn't Go As Planned. It's available everywhere books are sold. And finally, I'm so excited to announce the upcoming launch of Motherhood Reimagined Tribe. Tribe is the essential resource for single motherhood. So whether you're contemplating becoming a single mother, trying to conceive, or raising donor-conceived children, then Motherhood Reimagined Tribe can help you embrace your own unique path to motherhood. With our informative guides, blogs, books, services, and support, Motherhood Reimagined Tribe is the perfect place to get the advice and support you need to become the mother you want to be. I'm currently looking for founding members to join one of three Tribe masterminds. These masterminds are small, intimate groups of women who are at the same stage of the journey as you. To begin with, I'll have a group of thinkers and triers, egg donor or embryo support, and solo pregnancy. As a founding member of Tribe Mastermind, you will not only get preferred pricing, you will get access to a huge content vault for information for every stage of the journey. Weekly group calls with me to go over relevant topics and connect to others in your stage, and a community forum to connect with others at any time. This will be the cheapest price ever available, so don't miss your chance to join at this rate. If you're feeling really alone and isolated or get easily overwhelmed by the amount of information and decisions you have to make, make sure you don't miss this chance to connect with other women and get access to tons of research that's already been done for you. Head on over to the Motherhood Reimagined website or follow the link in the show notes to apply for your spot as a founding member. Next week, I'm joined with guest Signe from Denmark. She works with single moms in Europe and shares her wonderful distinction about how not to make single motherhood feel like a second choice. Don't miss it. Bye for now.